When I'm traveling and somebody stops and asks me a question, typically I'll hear this name brought up. Hey Jeff, have you ever heard about this guy named John Lovell? And usually it's because somebody is part of the Warrior Poet Society. Well, today I get a chance to catch up with John. He and I had the honor of serving together, but I also had a chance to not just see this warrior, but also what kind of a man, what kind of a leader he was. And on this episode of Unbeatable, I get a chance to talk to a guy with a huge voice in our society. On this episode, I get a chance to talk to a guy with a huge voice in our society. And just as a reminder, we couldn't do this episode today if it wasn't for our friends at the Solomon Foundation. I want to just say thank you to the folks at the Solomon Foundation for being the sponsor for this episode. If you're looking for something to do with your money that will give you an excellent return on your money, but also make an eternal impact, just go check these folks out at the Solomon Foundation. Go take a look at thesolomonfoundation.org. Now here's my interview with John Lovell. Adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Hey, John, thanks for doing me a solid and being a guest on my show after I came on your show on the network. Thanks for having me on, man. Good to be here. Yeah, let's catch up. I'm going to tell you about uh, a trip I was making with my family. We were coming back from Europe. This is just a couple of months ago. And I was wearing a Warrior Poet Society t-shirt. And no kidding, in 24 hours, I had people on multiple continents stop me and say, I love that sh- that network. I love that T-shirt. I love that th- those folks. Dude, you got people all over the world that are following you in the network. It's an encouraging thing. It's a cool brotherhood, and the world has gone pretty sideways. So we need strong men and women around the globe that stand for the old ways and for a higher morality than what the woke progressives can uh, muster. And so, yeah, courage and protectors and lovers of truth. I'm glad that our movements uh, spread. Man, I got some pretty cool t-shirts in my drawers, but nothing has garnered the kind of response that wearing that shirt for just 24 hours on two continents got. Hey, thanks for hooking me up with a t-shirt, I guess I should say. Sure thing, man. You got me pumped up. I'm going to go buy some of my t-shirts You should go buy some of your own swag (laughs) and start wearing it around. So people would be like, hey, do you know this guy, John Lovell? I don't. I don't. Do you you know how many times I get asked that question uh, a week or a month? More than any other celebrity, people ask me, hey, have you ever heard of this guy, John Lovell? That's probably the number one name that people toss around to me, man. Oh, well, cool. I, I reject the celebrity title or my <laughs> I, my wife would roll her eyes hard at that. Uh, so, that, uh, man, I'm, that, I'm a country boy. I'm living up in a, a little farm and doing a quiet life thing. But I am humbled that our movement spread. So that's good. 
That means that you, uh, you found a great woman when you found Rebecca. I want to tell a story to everybody in just a few minutes about you too, that you might not remember, but, uh, my wife and I have talked about this a time or two in the past. Okay. So check this out. Um, people are listening right now. They don't have the first idea who you are. They have never heard of warrior poet society, but when I drop numbers like this on them, they're going to get, it's going to get their attention. Even if they're fighting some insane traffic right now, when they're listening to this podcast, somebody inevitably is going to say, how do I become a social media influencer? I'm not calling you that John. I think that would be an insult to who you are and what you do. But I do want people that are listening right now to know there's about a hundred million people that are tuned in or connected to you and to the network around the world. How the heck did it go from a few folks um, that you and I know to a hundred million people around the world? Uh, I wouldn't say a hundred million people. We've had over a hundred million views. So well, I mean, okay, so we'll just so, we'll just say that there are individual people watching this uh, a different episode every you, time. How about you that? You could say a few million people have checked okay. in on us. You know, that'd be you know, I'd go way low, maybe single digit millions, but still, I'm I'm not upset about that. I'm like, hey, that's that sounds pretty cool. I'm good with that. Yeah. Where did the genesis behind the network, the Warrior Poet Society network come from? Sure. So you're not asking about Warrior Poet Society, but more specifically our streaming service and app, our network. I'm asking about you and the idea that you had percolating in the back of your mind to say, hey, man, I think I want to start just putting some content out there. Where did that come from? Sure. So Warrior Poet Society was really an outgrowth of my own journey. You know, I read in Revelation 5 that Jesus is both lion and he's lamb. And that resonated. I'm like, man, that's that's totally it. I get the lion part, but I'm supposed to be more than that. I need something that'll keep my relationships intact uh, so that I'll be, you know, romantic and uh, able to meet my wife in, in favorable terms, you know, and, and uh, foster growth with my kids and all that of like, oh, they need a lamb. Uh, oftentimes a sacrificial, uh, you know, loving lamb, yeah. uh, but then you need a lot of warrior aspects as well. And so those two things, that uh, paradox, which, which is certainly not a contradiction, men should be fully both of those things. And if you are not both lion and lamb, I would contend that you're a uh, failure as a man, to put it really harshly. Uh, we should all be growing toward those two ideals, you know, yeah. uh, to be one and not the other is to be hamstrung as a man. And so I was on my personal journey. I just kind of threw videos out documenting that process. And so you have something that's a little bit more warrior E and then something more poet E, you know, in different videos, but it struck yeah. a chord because a lot of folks just soberly recognize, yeah, that, that, that struck a chord of like, yep, that's what it takes. Uh, I want to, I want to be on that path. And so it really spread. The network was really an answer because we have our own streaming service and our uh -huh. own app where we put entertaining content and shows that was done because us who love freedom and advancing these ideas, recognize all of our institutions of power have been hijacked by a woke ideology that really hates our viewpoints and they're silencing them as they own big tech and the media and academia, there is incredible pressure, even from the highest uh, pieces of government 
to silence our, our viewpoint through shadow bans, shutting down our content, demonetizing. And so this was just, just reading the terrain and saying, you know what? We'll, we'll have our own content then. Yeah. So you can't shut us down. So you can't bully us out of existence. And so that's what the network is. I am already, I'm a part of the network. Um, I'm a fan of the Warrior Poet Society. Um, you guys have some amazing content. In fact, you have my favorite podcast in the world that you're, uh, you know, broadcasting on the network right now. For everybody who doesn't know, this is a little inside joke. Um, this show is now being carried by the network as well. But man, um, I want to go back over this journey that you just described uh, and, you know, how this thing began years ago. You and I were serving together out in the Pacific Northwest in 2nd Ranger Battalion. Um, I got a chance to see you on the battlefield and see what kind of warrior you were. But I, I also got a chance to just get to know you a little bit personally. As a unit chaplain, there's hundreds and hundreds of people there's no way to get very close to all of them, but I got connected with you a little bit. And I got a chance to see the man that you were and the leader in your home um, and with your wife that you were. And I was really, really impressed, man. I remain Thanks. really, really impressed. Last time that we were together in 2nd Ranger Battalion, you may not remember this. I rip, I do. Um, you and I were grabbing a cup of coffee together. I think our wives were with each other at the Starbucks across from Fort Lewis, now Joint Base Lewis-McChord in DuPont, Washington. Uh, it it was, may have been a girlfriend, unfortunately. Okay. I got married after service. So yeah, uh, sorry, so, pow, power on. <laughs> all good. So we're sitting down together. I'm talking to you about what the future holds for you because I'm on my way out of the unit and heading down south, down to the southeast, down here to Georgia with you. Um, but I was asking you kind of what does the future hold? And you, without having this whole thing fleshed out in your mind, you kind of started to pitch this to me. And I was really, really inspired, really impressed. Um, during the course of that conversation, though, it occurred to me, you are the kind of guy that with your training, with your background, with your skill set, you could make an insane amount of money if you were to leave the military at this point in the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and go overseas and make crazy amounts of money with your skill set. So when you decided to not uh, go be a private contractor in one of those huge security form firms, I got to know what was going through your mind when you kind of headed towards the mission field and Central America. Yeah, I was really just, I was a man in the military. It was a stop along my way and I had a lot of life I wanted to live. I had a lot of things I wanted to pursue. And so uh, I'd always dreamed of being in business with my dad. And so I wanted to do that. I wanted to finish a degree. I wanted to go find a, a sweet Southern belle to uh, All right. settle down with. And so, you know, I yeah. dated around in, in uh, the Northwest uh, when I was out there and, you know, found girls. Nothing lasted more than just a very short window. And um, I'm like, no, nah, I got a Southern Belle somewhere waiting for me. And so I was looking for that. Uh, my uh, faith had been growing in leaps and bounds, and I wasn't sure exactly what that was going to look like. And it later, uh, you know, went into full-time foreign missions. And so that was pretty cool as well. But I just knew, um, I, I knew contracting wasn't it. I, I recognize there's low-hanging fruit. You can make yeah. some serious cash uh, at Heck that yeah. point, but. Um, I had a lot of other stuff I wanted to do. 
What, where did you go on the mission field? When were you there? What was it like? Sure. So I was there for four years. My wife and I had always said of like, we'd love to go serve, you know, in some foreign missions. And we thought, let's do something crazy. Let's do it for like, you know, like six months. We'll live over there. Or maybe like <laughs> even a year. I'm like, a year. That's, that's really crazy. That's yeah. crazy. And so yeah. anyway, we felt like just such wild cards when we signed up to do a full year. We, we didn't like fundraise in a bunch of stuff, maybe a little bit, but we really just funded it ourselves thinking of like, oh, it's a year stint, but the Lord didn't really release us from that. And we ended up seeing a second year. A third, this is down in San Jose in um, uh, Costa Rica area. And yeah. we did Panama, Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. And so in Central America and stuff. So uh, anyway, we, we were bouncing around uh, there with uh, really setting up shop in San Jose doing our, our, our main stuff there. But uh, year two rolled around and uh, we felt the Lord uh, telling us that we were to stay. And then year three and then year four. And so it blew our minds. But uh, I bet it did. And your parents were probably asking you, when are you coming back to the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th there was some of that. But at that point that, you know, I'd, I'd been gone from home for quite a while. I moved lot, out at yeah. 15. And so at this point, you know, uh, quite a while later, um, they're used to me being gone and, uh, it wasn't a terrible place for them to visit either. So yeah, it wasn't a terrible hardship. You know, it was a great time. I, with the Ranger regiment went to Panama six times, once for the wow. invasion and then five times for training. I always said to my family and my friends like that, I could spend the rest of my life in that part of Central America. It is so beautiful. The people are so amazing. The climate is incredible, but I just never got a chance to, to be stationed there. Mm. You know, it was always here in the United States. Right. Um, but I just love that part of the world. And what I loved about that part of the world are there, there are parts, and you would recognize this, that look like they've just never been touched by you know technology and by the developed world. There are villages in some of those mountain jungles that time has passed them by and they've been using the same fishing techniques and hunting techniques with bow and arrows for the last couple of thousand years. And I've often thought to myself, man, I could go down there and I could spend the rest of my life with a Bible trying to be a missionary and reach some of those remote uh, Indians, what they would call, what we would call Indians in the native parts of Central America. Yep. Somehow they've all survived without TikTok. And they're, yeah. uh, how is that even and, possible? And no internet. Shockingly no shoes, enough. No internet. And they're doing just fine. That's right. Their teenagers aren't often themselves and, uh, you know, dwindling their lives away through scrolling and you know, all kinds of uh, substance abuse. Uh, who would have thunk it, you know? So, well, let's talk about the network a little bit and the, the people that are connected with you, man. There's a lot of folks that are paying attention to what you have to say. And I'm really, really glad that they are. Mm. Um, when you got ready to, got ready to start kind of making your journey, um, recording your journey and making it available to people. You didn't shy away from the fact that I'm a guy who's been around guns, loves guns, is happy to, you know, to help people uh, be more comfortable with guns. You and I've never had this conversation. I know this must happen to you because it happens to me quite frequently. There are plenty of people out there, even in the Christian communities that are absolutely hostile towards gun owners, gun carriers, 
when you get those kind of people, notice I said when and not if, how do you typically respond to that kind of criticism or critique? Uh, just to clarify, are you talking about uh, their well-meaning Christians? Yeah, Is well, it... I'm talking about, yes, well-meaning people, but certainly plenty in the Christian camp here that kind of have a, 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 a significant personal issue with anybody that has any kind of personal ownership of guns or even, you know, talks about guns publicly. Usually I kind of lean in a little bit with that person, do a, a little bit of a Bible study with them, not cracking something open, but I'm like, man, do, do you know the Lord at all? If it's an in-house Christian debate of like, man, we're made in the image of a warrior, you know, that, that, that's whose image we're in of like, uh, the, it, even the Bible calls multiple times. God is declared as a warrior. He's yeah. a protector of the innocent. He also multiple times commands war and then punished his people when they refused to yeah, go to yeah. war in cowardice uh, over and over, like in all kinds of books about, hey, there's a time for peace and a time for war, a time to heal and a time to kill. And Jesus doesn't do anything to take this away as we look in deeper and that we realize Jesus was on a suicide mission uh, or mm -hmm. he was on a mission to die for our sins. But you find out before he came from heaven to earth, he was the commander of the Lord's army and now ascended back into heaven. He's wielding that double-edged sword again. He's a warrior. He's going to lead the charge at the battle of Armageddon. That's a real thing that's happening. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's engaged in combat before kicking down the walls of Jericho and leading angelic armies of like, no, he's a, a dangerous warrior. And so there is a time and place for God's people uh, to engage in conflict, not just in a spiritual sense, which is definitely true, but sometimes that means a physical sense. There's certain people that are built for that. So if uh, bad players want to come in and rape, pillage, and plunder, it is a godly thing to do to stop that type of evil in its tracks. Now they'll misinterpret stuff of like turning the other cheek as if someone yeah. insults me, right. uh, you know, and does something like, Hey, I don't like your face. And so they hit it and maybe I'd have the strength to be like Jesus and be like, I'm not going to respond to that offense here, hit the other side. Uh, but it's different when they're, they're going to, you know, slowly saw my children's limbs off of like, Nope, now it's time to dance. Here you go. Put mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm going to crush you. And so real love protects. That's what real love does. It protects. And so, I think this vein of pacifism is not congruent. It is not compatible at all with a, a deep, rich theology of who God is and what God's called us to do. I, I love your answer. One of the things I love about the Warrior Poet Society is you don't hide behind. Um, there is either following God or you are a, a, a gun-toting, you know, patriot. And unfortunately, there is a kind of, as you mentioned, a deliberate agenda out there and a very s significant pressure to make one exclude the other. Right. Um, and, and like you, a guy who's gone to combat as many times as you have, a guy who has been put himself at, you know, in harm's way to protect the innocent, um, like you, I'm glad that you're standing up and speaking out and just saying, listen, when you have a better and a more robust understanding of what the Bible really says on this issue, I don't think it ever asks you to choose between following God and standing up and fighting, which means killing if necessary to protect the innocent. But there's a distinction 
between, um, you know, carding a gun to go do bad things or uh, holding or having a gun on your side to protect the innocent around you. Right. And, you know, it's tricky because, I mean, some some folks are called to, to walk the martyr's path and others the warrior path of like you could defend yourself. And there's been, you know, history is replete with examples of where. God's children are called to like, no, 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 toe the line, stop evil in its tracks with physical force. And other times I'm like, right now I'm thinking of Jim Elliott, uh, who was witnessing these tribes wouldn't take arms up against him and they end up getting murdered by them. And then the whole tribe through his sacrifice would end up converting. And I'm like, whoa, holy cow. There there's, so I think the best thing is, is to really understand the range of what could be possible theologically within God's will. But then it comes down to discerning the will of God and uh, following the Holy Spirit to know what an individual should do at any time. Some folks aren't called to pick up the sword. They're literally supposed to go the martyr's route. And people are built for different things in different situations. And so, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I just concede that there is a, a tricky kind of thing. It's not always, you know, of like, oh, there's evil sword time. That's I'm like, right. no, yeah. that's that's not it. Of like, right. remember, Jesus allowed himself be murdered for a greater mission. And so I'm like, bearing that in mind, maybe there's a greater mission. So for instance, I bring that theology into the idea of someone wants to carjack me. Now I'd be legal within my right to quick draw and put two in their face before they ever even saw the draw stroke. And I practice that, you know, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, but I'm like, man, my car is insured. You know, I got insurance. Right. And Jeff, I don't even like my car very much. It's yeah, not expensive. Might, my, that's right. I might even be ready for a new car. So I'll take that insurance payment, brother. Yeah. And so, no, I, I would like to, hey, here you go. Take this, man. No sweat. You go. You just, you do you. Yeah. And I back away and I look at that of like, I'm buying his life with this vehicle. Because his life, though he threatens mine, his life means more to me yes. than that stupid car. And so that theology is 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 there in my life, active. It's not just I have a gun, this is or this is my hammer, and therefore everything is a nail. That's and right. people when can you, get into trouble there. Yeah. When you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you're the guy who draws a gun in every scenario, you're gonna inevitably use it for the wrong reasons and he who lives by the sword or in our day by the M4 might just happen to be the guy who dies by the M4. If that's all, you know, and all you, you, you know, the only tool in your kit bag. Yeah. John, I'm learning something from you right now. I I doubt, bro. You're so far ahead. I'm I'm in all of your resume. And so I always feel weird when you 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 compliment, man, I, I regularly get asked the same three questions when I do a Q&A session after I'm talking to an audience. If there's civilians in the room, I can already tell you what the questions are. I can already tell you in order of the number, which question is going to come first. And number one question is always, is it okay for a Christian to take up arms? Is it okay for a Christian to go to war? Is it okay for a man or a woman of faith to kill or Um, you know, to be part of the military. That's my number one question by a landslide. I've got this answer. It's actually a fairly uh, reasoned and researched answer, but I've Mm. never used the word range before. I really like what you said. Mm. I'm going to steal that word from you. I'm actually going to give you credit for it, Um, but I'm going to start using that as part of my answer because I do want people to know 
there is a range, there is a spectrum of how and when this is, this is appropriate, but there is no, and, and I say this in no uncertain terms, there is absolutely nowhere in the Bible that you can convince me that God has a problem and absolutely forbades his people from getting involved in combat and killing the, the uh, bad guys. I'm yep. a guy who's totally convinced like you that it is a, not only the right thing to do, it is a God honoring thing when done appropriately. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that. And you get me pumped up and I'm like, Hey, one step further from that, even that I think you'd be comfortable going with me on is there are certain situations that if you didn't use physical force, violence and force, it would be an evil thing of you. That's to right. Do. Yep. It'd be totally evil agree. of you to not uh, shoot, shoot that guy. And so I, I can craft in it. There's plenty of scenarios yeah. where that has played out uh, in the past and it will again in the future. I allow, I, I want to leave room in my theology. And even when I'm answering this question publicly for the person that is truly a pacifist, meaning they, they cannot in their mind see any reason where there would ever be an appropriate response to use force. But I always struggle with this. Okay, so if you're the husband, if you're a father, if some bad person comes into your house and starts to attack your wife and your children, are you telling me that you're just going to sit back, dial 911 and watch it happen, waiting for the police to show up? Because there's something deep inside the human DNA and especially a man's DNA that ought to say, now it's time for me to take a knife out of the drawer or a gun out of the, you know, off of my hip and put an end to this long before the law enforcement shows up. I want to leave room that maybe that's where people feel like they are, but they probably, like you and I, have never been in a situation where there are very, very evil men intent on doing harm to innocent people. And the only thing stopping them is you or yeah. me or somebody else, another guy or a gal with a gun. Right. Um, second question I have, um, there's lots of people that tune into you, lots of people that listen to what you say, and your voice has, it carries some weight in the community, the circles that you and I run in, but you're also not at all ashamed about saying what you think about politics, about the direction of our country, and let's just be honest, there are a lot of people that don't agree with you. Somebody's listening to this episode right now. Somebody wants to have the kind of following that you have on social media, and they back down every time there's a controversial subject. They back down whenever they kind of get painted into a corner, but you don't. What would you say to that person? Um, how do you handle, how do you respond when you have, when you, when you, when you have to have something that you have to say, and you know, it's not going to go over well with some of the people that are listening. It could be that that person wanting to grow their social media empire has a goal that is different than mine. They assume it's the same uh, and it is not. I'm not after having the biggest following I possibly can. And I'm certainly Great not after making every dollar I can. If I did, yeah. it would look very different. I would make entertaining, funny uh, gun videos all the time where you never say anything that uh, would offend anyone. And I'd be going after specifically Generation Z. 
uh, it, it would be real low bar, silly kind of stuff because they're the ones really online. Uh, that is my lowest demographic because I talk about the things that matter the most. Of yeah. Ultimately, what I care about is I want to talk about things that are true and I want to beckon people to come alongside me on our warrior poet way. I think that that's, that's, a, that's what I'm after. I'm after more warrior poets. And if that means I have a smaller audience going for, I'm good with that. I don't care anymore. And I'm, I'm in fact so tired of all this political correctness, all this progressiveness, all this insidious woke stuff that is destroying lives and marriages and our country. Uh, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of being bullied by it. And so I get that people are offended. And I just, to put it bluntly, I don't care. Uh, if if you're offended, get stronger feelings. We need to toughen up. And uh, truth is just, it is what it is. Maybe you're offended by facts and knowledge and truth. Maybe you're not. Uh, either way, I, I think we need to just grow. We need to grow our backbones again. And guess what? If people don't agree with me on everything... That's okay. I don't think I agree with everything I say. I'm still working stuff out. I'm on a journey. Right. So yeah, if you're like, too. I don't agree with that, sure. John, I'm like, I'm not sure I agree with it yet either. I'm <laughs> I'm learning as I go. Right. And so uh, I'm quite comfortable with people not being okay with certain stuff. But hey, at least I, I'm being honest. I'm eyes wide, wide open and I'm being honest, but I uh, I hate politics. I really do. I don't want to talk about politics. The problem is, is politics has swallowed everything up. Every discipline, yeah. whatever you bring up, any topic, it's become political. And so for me to uh, steer clear of politics is for me to steer clear of talking about anything of substance. Uh -huh. And so I've only got political after politics swallowed everything up. And I'd go a step further now. It's not, e politics gobbled everything up. Even you can't even talk about the weather. As benign as that, because oh, climate change, everything's political. And since politics swallowed up religion and morality, even, uh, I think that politics is now not even politics anymore. It's just a good old fashioned battle of right versus wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's good versus evil now. In the age of all the abortions and uh, mutilating kids and chemical castration and uh, human slavery around the globe uh, and sex slavery of like, no, it's just good versus evil now. It's not even right, politics yeah. anymore. And so anyway, I, I don't care. I, I'm ready to go down with the ship, but I'm going to go down uh, saying true things that are important. There's a couple of reasons why I wanted you to be a guest on Unbeatable. And this is at the top of that list. Hmm. Um, when you read the research right now, and it's really disturbing to me what the research says, the kids that are in school right now, when you were to ask them 15, 20 years ago, I made this comment uh, a while back on the show, 15, 20 years ago, if you asked them what they wanted to be when they left school and when they went out in the real world, when they grew up, air yeah. quotes, they would say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a firefighter. They had these lofty goals. Now, the number one answer to that question across the um, America is, I want to be a social media influencer. Mm. And I'm like, man, what did we do wrong if that's what everybody wants to accomplish with their life? Yeah, I would never um, disrespect you by referring to you as a social media influencer, but there are a lot of people, millions of people that listen to you, which means you have an influence around the world. 
I saw that firsthand by just wearing your shirt on the way back mm -hmm. from a trip overseas. So I have a real big problem with this because it's kind of like, well, um, when I think of a vocation of like, yeah, I want to earn, I, I need, I need money. That's and right. I'd like to be respected because, Hey, I'm a human. I'm a man. I want to, I need to be able to provide for my family. So I want money and I want to be respected. I want to be good at what I do. And I'd like whatever I do to not be too horrible. You know, of a lot of people chasing their idyllic passions out there. Uh, they're chasing a ghost. You're never going to catch it. Work is work. And at the end of the day, if you do something long enough, eventually you're going to have to start grinding and you're going to yeah. do stuff you don't want to do. Even doing what I do, which is really a, a ideal job for me. I am always doing stuff I don't want to do. All kinds of stuff, whether it's lawyers and accountants and uh, uh, I have to grind and do a lot of stuff that I frankly just don't want to do. And that's why it's called work. That's what yeah. it is. Uh, but the problem with wanting to be a famous social media influencer is if like, well, famous for what? Right. It's influencing for what? Is even here, my warrior poet society, when it becomes all about me, I'm going to lose interest really fast. No, no, no. It's we have a great and illustrious movement here. It's a warrior poet way. It's a real good thing. It's It's been helping me on my journey. It's going to help a lot of other people on their journey. Let's link arms and march forward uh, throughout a world in chaos and see if we can't shake some stuff up and do some good. And that's what I'm interested in. And so if fame or notoriety comes as I'm doing that, well, then that's going to be helpful for the movement. Uh, but notoriety and fame just for itself, for its own purpose is a narcissistic self-serving endeavor. Uh -huh. What totally. do you want to be famous for? I'm like, Oh, I don't care. I, I just want to be famous. I want all people looking at me thinking, um, uh, powerful or dangerous or brilliant or sexy or whatever it is. It, it the subject is you. I just want to make everyone love me. I'm like, and that's going to drive you to do all kinds of morally compromising yeah, things. Absolutely. It's going to, you're going to become this joke of a human as you are obsessing in being a slave to the dopamine hits of anonymous strangers hitting the like button to you. Uh, and so that, that is, that's going to really give free reign to a certain type of narcissism that's going to continue to grow and grow and grow and leave you hollow and really nobody. You're going to be identityless. You're just chasing the poles of public opinion. And that sucks. Uh, you don't yeah. want that. So, well, anyway. the public is fickle. So if you're chasing public opinion, you may have it for five or 15 minutes, but then they're going to toss you to the side and find somebody else. Yeah, I, my views are very similar to yours. Mm -hmm. I wonder sometimes that crowd that's right now saying, number one, I want to be a social media influencer. Are you saying I want a lot of money, but I actually don't want to have to do a lot of work to get it. And if I have millions and millions of people that hit the like button on my Instagram account, I can make a lot of money for not doing a lot of work. If that's what your aim is, that's a pretty low goal, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But I also think about the parents, like where did you learn for these kids that right now say, I want to be a social media influencer? What's going on in your house that your parents put before you, like this is the ideal of serving humanity. This is what it looks like to make the world a better place. 
go take off most of your clothes if you're a young girl and go stand somewhere in a nature scene and pose in a very provocative way and maybe 100 million people will hit the like button and you'll get paid a whole lot of money for your Instagram account or yeah. TikTok. And that, man, something about that feels really morally wrong. It feels really dirty to me if yeah. that's if that's what you're prepared to do. Is it social media influence or is it the income that goes along with that kind of influence? I didn't plan to have this conversation with you. You just got me fired up, John. I hear you. Well, you know, that person specifically, that gal just get naked of like, well, you're not influencing anything. You're just setting yourself up as an idol to be worshipped. That's what you're right. doing. And you're yeah. reaping monetary benefits uh, for it. But uh, you're, you said, hey, were the parents thinking in doing this? I'm like, well, I don't think the average kid is raised by parents. Now, the fallacy is, is they think they're being raised by parents. And I think most parents think that they're raising their kids, but they're not. They're shipping them off to a government school where they spend the vast amount of their time. And then they engage in some type of sport or extracurricular activity and they hang out with friends and then they play video games and scroll their lives away. And maybe you get together around the dinner table and you have a conversation here and there. And maybe you see them for a couple hours on Saturday. Hey, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're not raising them. Their peers are, the internet is, social media is, the school system is, you're not raising them. And so it is no wonder while, why the epidemic of mental unhealth is skyrocketing yeah. and yeah. why uh, kids so easily abandon the values of their parents is because the parents thought you were raising your kids with these certain values and really, truly, just because of the nature of time, you weren't really raising them at all. You were influential in their lives to some extent. You saw them here and there. You made some rules here and there, but you weren't spending enough time with them. Right. You weren't spending hours with them each day. And that would be what raising them is. You can, there's no substitute for time. And if you're not spending hours a day with your kids, can it really be said technically that you're raising them? And that'll tick a lot of people off. But my desire here isn't to shame anyone. It's to say, get out of government schools as fast as you can and, and make sure you have more eye contact with your, you know, kids, uh, you know, than you're doing currently. Yeah. Of like, yeah. don't let them scroll their entire lives away. And maybe you're complicit because you're doing the same thing after work. Yeah. And so that's really, really dangerous. That's hard truth. Use that irritation with me, use that anger that you have toward me calling what you in your gut, you know, it's true. Do something about it. It's not too late. Do something about yeah. it now. And the past is what it is. Who screw it. Who cares about that? This is what can you do now? So, uh, I got nothing to gain except, uh, I really, I really care about you guys. I don't know you personally, but you're listening to Jeff. And that means there's some certain quality about you that, that I think is, worth investing in. So this is me lovingly telling you something you probably really hate to hear. I'm going to repeat what John just said. For those of you who are driving and you got lost in that or you missed what I think everybody needs to hear once again, there is no substitute for time. In any human relationship, especially as a parent, there's no substitute for time. Dawn and I learned this um, over and over again in the military. And especially in the Ranger Regiment, deployed repeatedly during the war on terrorism, raising five young children. And we made some extreme sacrifices as a couple. I made some extreme sacrifices as a man 
on many, many things that I just would not do because I couldn't do that and give my children the time that they needed. Hmm. And looking back on it now, I would do the exact same thing all over again. In fact, I would make more sacrifices yeah. uh, today because of the way that those sacrifices paid off in the long run. But I'll say it a third time, man, there is no substitute for time, especially when it comes to raising your children. Why I wanted to do a deep dive at this point is because that kid out there, maybe it's a 65 year old grandmother who's on Facebook and she gets the same dopamine response when somebody likes her post on Facebook. And she's saying, man, there's something on my heart that I wanna say, but I know that it's gonna be controversial. I know a lot of people are not gonna wanna hear it. So they just don't say it. Yeah. And I feel like there are millions of voices that should be heard, but are not being heard because of what you just called bullying, a very deliberate, very public bullying campaign to silence the unpopular opinion. And one of the things that I really wanted to do with you on this show is to, to talk to a guy who refuses to be bullied and will say what needs to be said knowing I'm going to make a lot of people unhappy by saying this. So can you just walk through a little bit for that person when they're sitting there saying, I, I think I really want to make this post, but I, and I don't know if I'm going to because of how many people might get upset by what I say next. How would you counsel them? What would you say to them, John? Um, uh, I could... Should I go straight for it or should go for it, man? Don't straight don't, for don't, Hey, yeah, the righteous are as bold as lions. If that, if you believe that statement's true, then the inverse is true as well. Uh, if you are not as bold as a lion, the timid would then be unrighteous. If you are unrighteous. Reverse the logic. That, that yep. means you're just not like Jesus. You're not, a, you're not being a good Christian. Now we have a demonic lie that's spread over the last half century in the U.S. And that's the sweetie pie Christian that never rocks the boat. That's the righteous one. It's the nice guy. No, it's not. That's oftentimes the coward. And it, you think about the grisly prophets of old. Those were God's yeah. favorites. Oh, yeah. They weren't yeah. the, the, the meat, you're the, the <laughs> sweethearts. You know, yeah. it's usually the guy that was saying the thing that almost got him killed all the time. And so woe to you when all men speak well of you for so they did with the false prophets. So if you don't have a lot of people that hate you, just know you're nothing like Jesus. You're playing yeah. a Christian game. You're a little church mouse. You're not like Jesus. If no one hates you, you're not like Jesus. So, I could not agree more with what you just said. So unfortunately, going, unfortunately, you got to go toward it. There's a cost of disciples. There's a cost of following. That's an offense of the gospel. So people should love you or hate you, and nobody should really be in between. Be able to ride the fence, yeah. And so please, guys, don't – and I'm not trying to cudgel you with any type of shame. I'm just saying, hey, here's – Here's the theological thing that we're called to, and I'm just quoting scripture there. So if you're mad at someone, get mad at the author of those passages. Um, I'm just saying that this is, I'm just delivering some mail here. Yeah. But uh, I don't think we understand how dire the fight really is. We think of like, oh no, I just don't want to offend anyone. It's easier to just be quiet, to go ahead and self-censor and to allow lies to permeate the culture so that I can unchallenge, uh, not challenge it. I'm like, well, man, cowardice is spread at an alarming rate throughout culture uh, and all kinds of bullying as well and name calling. Nobody likes to be called names. I'm called names all the time. I just got used to it. 
Uh, nobody likes that. And I totally get it. That resonates. It, it is not fun. I agree. But in cowardice spreads by the more we self-censor, the more cowardly we become and the more cowardly everyone else becomes. But just like cowardice spreads, so does courage. And if you spoke up, a lot of people oh, that think yeah. like you do would say, you know, like, I, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. And they get boldness from what you're doing. And then since you stood up, five more people stand up and then other, other people get furious and then 10 more stand up. And you're like, oh, we, we got a remnant here. You could be part of the remnant. You, you could do the heroic thing and refuse to live by lies. You could say an unpopular truth in gospel. You could do that. Uh, and it starts at, with just the little things. You still do it in love. We speak the truth in love. So it's not, of course. Uh, it, it's not a license yeah. to go all capsule lock and profane and super sarcastic. It's not a license to go out and just be a rude prick. You don't get to do that. Uh, but you need to speak the truth. You really do. And the times are desperate. So uh, please come alive. Man, that was so powerful and so well said. The truth is that when people are quiet, when they're silent with the truth, when they have this on their heart and they're feeling like, I should say this, I want to say this, but I know if I say this, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get offended. So I'm just not going to say it. When you don't say that, you are creating an environment for the lie to get louder and the lie to spread wider. And the more that you back off, the, the more that you refuse to speak the truth, the easier it is for the lie to continue to permeate through every part of our society all over the globe. But man, thank you for reminding people the opposite is also true. When you stand up and speak out, somebody takes notice and not just to throw an egg at you because they don't like what you said. Somebody else who has it on their heart to say something says, Look at her, that 65-year-old grandmother who just posted something very courageous on Facebook. If she can do that, then maybe I should do that too. And pretty soon they start to post something. Pretty soon they start to say something to a friend or a neighbor. And all of a sudden, really good things can happen yep. uh, if you would just have the courage. And courage spreads. You and I have seen this on the battlefield. Cur courage spreads on the battlefield just like cowardice does. So stand up. Be That's the right. first and don't be surprised when other people start to follow your lead. That makes a world of difference. I love what you said when you were quiet, when you refuse to speak, the lie gets louder and you let it. I like that. That's good. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. You don't even have to give credit right there, man. I, uh, when people say, Jeff, have you ever heard of John? My comments are always very positive, and usually I challenge them. Are you part of the network? Are you part of the warrior poet way? Are you part of the society? And if they're not, I challenge them to become part of it because I like what you stand for, and I like the way you stand for it. Thank you. So I want to wrap this up by challenging the audience those that are not already watching this episode on your network, those that are listening to it on their favorite podcast platform or YouTube, they want to know more. How do they find out more about the network, about your show, about, uh, you know, the warrior poet way. Best thing is just go to our website. It's kind of the gateway to all the things we're doing. So warriorpoetsociety.com. That's warriorpoetsociety.com. There's links to the network. There's links to my, my book. There's links to YouTube and social media. We've got blog stuff. We've got a full store with all our shirts and 
all that jazz so you can show support. So warriorpostsociety.com is kind of the gateway to everything we're doing. And we'll put, by the way, for those of you that are driving, we're going to put a link to that in the notes. So just check this out later on. Your book has been out now for just a few weeks. Um, is it available digitally? Yes. And also it's available as an audio book and I'm the okay. author or I'm the narrator. So oh, you read your own book. I read Good my own you. book. I got yeah. it in contract. I wanted to, I didn't want anyone else nice. to screw this up. So yeah. you really feel me into it, you know, feel, feel me getting into it. And so, uh, I don't want that. I want everybody to know uh, how much I, I stand for you and, and for the network. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give away, I'm going to give away a free copy of your book, a digital download of your book to somebody at the end of this episode. You'll, we'll give you more information right as we wrap up this episode today of how you can be the winner of a free copy of John's book. But John, just once again, man, as a warrior, as a family man, as a uh, follower of Jesus, and as a public figure, thank you for your voice. Thank you for the courage to stand up and to speak the truth so that the lie doesn't get louder around us. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. See you later. See you. John said something that I'm going to take with me and I'm going to use again and again. There is a range of response when somebody is trying to do something bad to you or the people around you. But maybe the most important thing that I heard John say today is all that it takes for the lie to get louder in society is for good people who have the truth, who know the truth, to remain quiet and don't speak the truth. So here's my challenge to everyone today, whether you liked what you heard from John or not, would you have the courage to post that, make that comment, have that conversation, say what you know is on your heart that needs to be said? And who knows? Maybe because you had the courage to say something, other people will see that and will be inspired and they'll have the courage to say uh, the same thing to somebody else. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Unbeatable with my friend, John Lovell. If you want to know more about his book, in fact, if you want to receive a free copy of his book, somebody in the Unbeatable Army is going to get that totally free just for being part of the Unbeatable family, the Unbeatable Network. That Unbeatable Army are people that are connected, not just with this podcast. They're not just listening to an episode a week. They stay connected to us online, on social media. And if you want to find us on social media, just search for at Unbeatable Podcast on pretty much all of the social media platforms. You're going to find some amazing people there like Jose Angel or Angel Salazar Salas, who is the fan of the week this week. Jose, thank you for staying connected to us and thank you for being deeply involved as our fan of the week this week. But if you want to become part of the Unbeatable Army, this network of people that I send content to throughout the week, it's all totally free. We don't ever ask for a penny from you. If you wanna be already registered to get a free digital download of John's book, all you gotta do is go over to unbeatablearmy.com. This week, will you go out and speak the truth so that the lie doesn't get louder. Thanks for joining me. Have a great week. God bless.